HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by the Christmas Tree Farmers Association of New York, partnering with Grow NYC on a pilot project to make farm fresh trees and wreaths available at green markets. For more information, visit christmastreesny.org. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, on this half-hour journey through culinary history. And my guest today needs no introduction. I'll give her one anyway. But <laughs> she is America's and and other countries' most beloved TV chef and a wonderful cook and a very generous person and a longtime member of Heritage Radio Network. It's Lydia, Lydia Bastianich. Welcome, Lydia. Buongiorno, Linda. And today we have um, our in our studio our executive director, Aaron Fairbanks, who wants to talk a little bit about your participation in Heritage Radio and following Lydia's lead. Aaron. Oh, thank you. Um, I I will be quick here at the top of the show, just stopping by as we do um, to say thank you, of course, to Linda for all the amazing programming and really being um, in so many ways like the backbone of the station, one of our longest running shows and really contributing to our archives and the world archives, um, this exploration of culinary history. So first and foremost, thank you for that. Thank you. Um, and wanted to say to you, listener, that this type of programming is, is made possible by, by you. Uh, we are a 501c3 nonprofit radio network, so we depend completely on the support of a small group of underwriters and folks who like what we do, who believe in our work, who think it's important to have an alternative media source that focuses on all aspects of food, drink, and agriculture and show that support with a small financial contribution. So I hope that you will take a moment this year to make us part of your end-of-year giving plans. We, we try to make it very easy for you. You can find us at www.heritageradionetwork.org. Click that bleeding heart um, at the top of the website and throw us a couple of bucks. Really, any amount helps. And you can also let us know that you heard about it on A Taste of the Past. There's a little drop-down menu, and I know Linda would love to hear from you in that way. 
and you'll be in great company, like Lydia herself. Thanks, Aaron, and I, I do hope that everyone will, especially in this giving season, um, remember us when you're about to give your end-of-the-year gifts, particularly. Uh, and Lydia, that brings us back to you. <laughs> and, uh, Lydia, believe it or not, has yet again another new book, and this makes it over a dozen books that you've written. Mm, it does. It is actually my 12th book, uh, but this one is uh, special. It, usually, you know, two years to pull a book together with the topic like maybe regional Italian or Italian-American. But this is this took me three years and all my years previous of that uh, collecting, collecting, uh, you know, what uh, tips and ideas and the whys that made me the cook that I am. Well, and to let our listeners know if they don't, if they haven't seen it yet, you know, come up in the, in the advertisements, it's called Lydia's. Mastering the Art of Italian Cuisine. You know, at first I'm thinking, well, now that's a that's a pretty hefty title to have there. Not co-opting any other titles, of course, because it's Italian cuisine and it's Lydia's Mastering the Art of Italian Cuisine. How, you say it took you three years, how in particular does this book differ from all your other books? Well, if you're Talking about the title and the similarity to some other great books, uh, there, there is a reality there. You know, Knopf published Julia's books, mm-hmm. and is my publisher. And uh, Judith Jones uh, was uh, Julia's editor, and she was my editor, not for this book, but she was my editor for quite a few books. She retired. So uh, it's now Peter Gathers. But when the title came up, they said, why not, Lydia? You are the Italian. And so I was honored by that. And then I had to live up to that title. (laughs) But I did that uh, with with gusto and pleasure. And uh, really, it's a collection of, of, um, should we say, uh, recipes, yes, over 400. Uh, There's a glossary in the back, uh, uh, a tremendous uh, Italian glossary. And then there's 65 pages in front of the recipes, just as an introduction. And there is where I kind of explore my passion for cooking, what brought me, what is important to me, my sensibilities to food, to cooking. Uh, Then on to products, you know, the Italian products. Because in cooking a, a, a culinary tradition or a culinary culture uh there's you know it's very specific taste and hence the traditional ingredients play a very important role so in this book i explain those traditional ingredients whether it's the grana padano whether it's the aceto balsamico it, these are ingredients that make food really italian when you use them in the kitchen so understanding them understanding how to use them i go through all that details and then to the practicality, you know, the, the techniques. I mean, do you do you boil? Do you steam? Do you grill? Do you fry? Do you roast? Do you wet roast? Do you dry roast? I go through all of that and mm-hmm. what each uh, uh, application to 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 the to the food, uh, what kind of results it gives. So it's all these kind of nuances. Well, I was I was particularly struck by the Italian products section. In the book, and, and in fact, there are several different sections of the book that I do want to to expand upon and talk about. Um, it, you know, it's it is you know the title, mastering the art of Italian cuisine. You'd expect it to be this huge tome, 
and it's not. Yes, it's a it's a good sized book, but it's not any larger than most or many of your other books. And what I was impressed by was that uh, it there is something, uh, some very sage advice and and very easy to read practical words on every single page. There's something that you can pull out of it rather than having to sift through, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs of of you know lofty. Um, words about a cuisine and wondering, well, okay, but where's the gist of it? You know, what you really can, have. What it. can I take away from that? That's here? right. You've got the takeaway on every page. There's something that, uh, you know, value. Well, you know, uh, I, I don't pretend for this to be the all encompassing Italian book. That's why it is Lydia's <laughs> mastering. Yeah. So it limits it to, to kind of my experience, but it is a 40-year experience of dedication and passion uh, to the Italian cuisine, and I still uh, love it. Um, so so uh, the book is precisely what you just said, Linda, where a reader can read through the first pages and the little paragraphs on different subjects, on different vegetables and artichokes. How do I clean it? How do I store it? How do I, uh, what pieces do I cut it for pasta or for risotto? All these kind of really almost basic common sense tips are in there. How do I store my fish? You know, very right. simple. Right. Uh, because fish uh, disintegrates. Uh, it needs to be at about 36, 38 temperature. If it's, and the regular refrigerator is 48, 50, 52. So you lose a day or two in life of a fish. Very simple. You know, how do you put it on a, on a, on a tray that is perforated? You put the fish, you put a saran wrap, a plastic wrap, and you put ice on top of it. So the fish should always be chilled. The ice should not touch the fish, and the fish should not lay in the water. Those See, are- you've already learned something, and <laughs> you haven't even bought the book. Right? Oh, yes. It is, I mean, it truly is. But then again, watching your, your um, television cooking series, which uh, I say you need no introduction, but it's worth mentioning that you... Have, I mean, this is what your fifth season of Lydia's Kitchen, or, or oh no, no, six? I've been I've been on television since ninety eight since nineteen ninety eight. But how right. and how many actual seasons was I don't know. Well, we do the math. It's it's uh, it's about seven seasons, but each season has twenty two. So with with this book, even though it's not really parallel, but it is based on the recipes of this book. So if you're watching Lydia's Kitchen now on PBS and it airs across America, uh, you are actually seeing the recipes made by me that are in this book. So you get the visual on PBS. Yeah. You know, Lydia, before the show, you and I were talking about what, well, the fact that you are America's most beloved TV chef and you are that, that personification of the Italian mama in the kitchen cooking wonderful food. I mean, it's, it's almost as though the odors are wafting through the television screen into our homes. And and I, I asked you, I mentioned why, you know, if we think of um, the different national cuisines, and obviously, of course, the one that is codified that became the first, in, you know, highly touted instructing cuisine, of course, is French cuisine. When you think of French cuisine, you think of a man in starched whites and his toque on top of his head. When one thinks of Italian cuisine, most likely we think of an Italian mama in the kitchen 
cooking something loving and, and nourishing. And I asked you your thoughts on that. So why don't you share that? Why, why is that? Well, Linda, I think that, uh, you know, all cuisines are really based in the nurturing of the family, of the home. And uh, throughout the centuries, it has been the women's role to nurture uh, you know, from nurturing the baby, infant, and so on. And I think that still continues in Italy. I think that the French cuisine at the basis is still that if you travel in the little towns and you look for those kind of... But if you look for the starred restaurant, it's, it's. Uh, uh, I think, after, you know, the revolution, the, the courts needed no longer these these chefs with with supposedly professional chefs, and they went out and started restaurants. So uh, I think I think that uh, the French cuisine uh, has entered into a professional uh, sort of cuisine uh, that has rules and regulation, mm-hmm. Where I th- whereas I think that the Italian cuisine has evolved, yes, in elegant restaurants and all of that, but it has never left uh, the the it suppo- shouldn't at least uh, leave the basis that it is born uh, that is it is sort of nurturing the family the, the food home. it is seasonal it is local it is simple it is straightforward the base the the focus is on ingredients you know you get those best ingredients I think that the real um, highlight of the Italian cuisine is the traditional. Uh, products that the Italian artisans produce, um, whether it is the grana padano, whether it is the aceto balsamico, whether it is the prosciutto di Parma, these are unique products that the artisans of Italy, you know, took from nature. How do you make? Uh, how do you preserve a product? To last you longer, certainly you know milk. Uh, her, uh, herdsmen had a lot of milk. How do I preserve that from not going back? Cheese, make great cheese. Uh, again, winter comes. Uh, where is the the supplies? Of course, the pigs, the slaughter, the making the prosciutto, the pancetta, and so on. The Italian repertoire of traditional ingredient is priceless, and I really address it in this book to understand because to understand how to cook Italian. It's all of this thing that I said before, seasonal, simple, straightforward, but it's also understanding the products and when to use them and right. how to use right. them. And always, I mean, you know, starting with good ingredients. You start with good ingredients. You You're know, halfway there. There you go. Right. Which leads me to my next actually big question. Not that I have lots of questions. It's just good good talking to you and, and everything comes out that's it's informative. But if you were to distill the Italian cuisine... Um, you say mastering the art of Italian cuisine. Okay, well, that's the, the techniques and the cooking skills. But if, well, let's put it another way, that it, what is like your philosophy of, of good Italian cooking, not of the cuisine, but the art or philosophy of good Italian cooking, what would you, what would you distill that down to? You know, we're going back to the product. It's really uh, focusing on the product. Uh, that would make, again, seasonal. It needs to be seasonal. The fact of it being local, it really reflects the regionality of Italian cuisine. Italy is no longer than, no larger than California, actually smaller. It has 20 regions, and yet you travel from one to the other, and the intensity of flavors, the, the same kind of pasta fagioli, if you will, is completely different. And each one of the regions swears, or each one of the cooks, <laughs> mine is the best, mine is the original. So I think those nuances, because uh, Italy has been blessed with this great um, 
diversity of microclimates. You know, it has the Alps on, on the top and then the Apennines down the middle. It is a peninsula surrounded by water. So within those uh, hills and valleys and whatever, there's so many microclimates. And that's where the product really excels. You know, whether it is for wine up in Piemonte in Friuli, whether it is for the San Marzano tomatoes down in Campania, whether it is the olives of Puglia. I think that... Um, if the Italians really have have it right, it's because they knew how to really, and they know how to use their microclimates, their territory, to really produce the best ingredients. So back down to get the best ingredients, and you're halfway there, as you said. Well, fortunately now, too, a lot of these ingredients are available to us. For many years, it, they were very difficult to get in this country. Um some of us remember that many years ago they were difficult <laughs> to get. Um, and, of course, now we're, we're very fortunate to have, you know, a lot of uh, great products on, on every supermarket shelf. And But it's still important to look for, if you're if you're making something special, you, have, you want to really look for a quality pro- product that really is one of the Italian products. And it makes a difference. You know, uh, I opened, Linda, my first restaurant in 1971, and it was in Forest Hill, so it was in Queens, in the neighboring uh, borough. And uh, at that time, I didn't have a lot of the traditional ingredients. I didn't have arborio rice or canaroli rice. I didn't have prosciutto di parma. And I was cooking Italian food. I I must say that the initial was the Italian-American food, which is different than what the regional food in Italy is. Uh, But I, I depended a lot on the technique. So if you don't have the product, the technique of cooking something will bring you closer to that culture. Okay, and let's, that's a good lead-in to technique. You know, in your, um, in your, recip- on your um, chapter on recipes, at, once again, a nice written page, one page only, but within that page, some of the best advice that I have ever read that, you know, is part of my mantra when I'm teaching, you know, my children or my grandchildren to cook. And you can share, if you would, share that with us when you are about to embark upon a recipe, whether it's a traditional recipe, one of your newer recipes. from show, Tell us what that chapter really imparts. Well, uh, I think that uh, uh, if... Uh, you follow a book like this and recipes. And recipes, as the, you know, there's more than 400 in there. Some of them are traditional, some of them are regional, some of them are Italian-American, and some of them are kind of innovative recipes that I kind of... Now, I want to make it clear, I have not invented any recipes. <laughs> I have always used the, 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 the patrimony of the Italian culinary uh, uh, world, and but I have made my little changes. So if you are open... If, if you do open a cookbook, 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 and you have a rest kind of uh, uh, catches your eye and all that, if you're apprehensive, I think the best way to do is to use a simple recipe. Look at the ingredient. Now, my recipes are known for to be not uh, do not have an extensive list of ingredients, and I don't think you need that. In some instances, maybe. So, is to look at a recipe that first of all. You can connect. You have the products. Okay, you've just been out there, and uh, the the tomatoes are beautiful, or the broccoli di rape is in season. So you know, look for a recipe with that, and 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 then choose something that is doable that you can get. And what's important, I think, is 
to really read, if you do not know how to treat broccoli di rape, I have a little paragraph. Go to that paragraph, say, this is how Lydia cleans broccoli di rape, this is how you should cook them. So get the information on that recipe of all the things that you don't know. And, uh, and then you get back to the recipe and you read the recipe and you have to kind of get it in your mind, a sequence, you know, a sense of time and relate because all of us have cooked something or other. So relate to how you cooked that recipe and then follow it. If you're, uh, you know, or if you're apprehensive about it, follow it to the T. But otherwise, once you have done that recipe and it comes out good, you know, make that recipe your own. Mm -hmm. You can change it. I said, you know, broccoli de rape and sausage are great. But how about broccoli de rape and maybe some some uh, 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 chicken, you know, shredded chickens, just sautéed and whatever. So I think that's when, when um, what I really hope this book does. It uh, uh, Well, I hope a few things out of this book, but it really kind of empowers uh, the cook to go off my recipes and into their own flavors or whatever they have. And uh, I, I really hope, I mean, I, you can say by, see by the look of it that, that this becomes kind of a, a reference book, a right, classic right. book in, in everybody's uh, cookbook library. As you said earlier, you said, let the recipe be your guide. And, you know, from there, get a feel, get a feel exactly, for it, right? Get exactly. a feel for what you're cooking. Exactly. You know, you might not have that ingredient that I have. I mean, I have, let's say I have a, a fish a, a halibut recipe. Halibut is not in season. It's not to be had. But you want that recipe, you have everything else. Can you substitute? Of course you can substitute another fish. And I tell you what to look for. You look for the texture of the original fish that I recommend. Halibut is a dense fish, that, you know. So you try to look for something that's similar to that. And if you do not have, then again, use your common sense. Uh, if you have cod, cod is flaky, takes less time to cook. So diminish the time, diminish the, the, the all the other kind of liquid ingredients that would take time to cook off and make it your own. Yeah. It's interesting because it, it uh, some people are very rule-bound, and they're going to take a recipe. And this book, I think, is, is good for both novices and experienced cooks. Mm -hmm. And not everybody has the same kind of pan. Not everybody has the same kind of stove with the same amount of heat. Um, you know, and Linda, as you know, it all makes a difference. Yeah. All of those elements make a difference in your recipe. Absolutely. We're going to talk about, we didn't talk about specific techniques, but we will talk about specific techniques and more in the book and more about Lydia's life when we come back after a short break. Ever wonder where your Christmas tree came from? Now you don't have to. New York State-grown Christmas trees are now available in New York City. Trees grown on farms here in New York State are harvested just a few days before arriving to the city. Trees cut close to home stay fresh longer. And trees cut close to home travel less, which reduces fuel consumption of delivery vehicles. Did you know that buying a real tree helps to sustain agriculture in New York State by supporting local farmers and keeping important open space and agriculture production? The Christmas Tree Farmers Association of New York is partnering with Grow NYC on a pilot project to make farm-fresh trees and wreaths available at green markets in Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan. 
So when you shop local this holiday season, you can include the tree in that list. For more information and a full list of locations, visit ChristmasTreesNY.org. Hi, we're back on A Taste of the Past, and I'm speaking with Lydia Bastianich. And Lydia, um, this your new book, Mastering the Art, Lydia's Mastering the Art of Italian Cuisine, is, as I was um, saying earlier, is great for both novices and experienced cooks. And we were talking a little bit about um, technique. Before I get on to another topic, I wanted to, to come back to technique. And what do you consider some of the, the basic or, or the important Italian techniques? Well, uh, it's 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 interesting because there's great soups, bases, bracing is a big, uh, uh, and and sautéing, quick cooking. There's a lot of quick cooking going on for fish, for vegetables, for whatever, in and out of the pan, uh, not not too complicated. And of course, then the whole approach to the starch world, whether it's rice. Risotto is a unique technique, only to Italians. Uh, of course, pasta, the al dente, the fresh pasta, the dry pasta, two different worlds. But, uh, you know, how do you uh, cook pasta and dress it and all of that? That's all in the technique in a world of its own. And then polenta. Now, polenta, you know, it's 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 one of those new world foods. And certainly, um, you, you, you go down in... A, in in South America and Mexico, they they they, they have a lot of these. Uh, uh, even down south, uh, uh, the the the, maize, polenta, the, the yeah, yeah. The, the polenta mush or whatever. So so Tamales. yeah yeah yeah. So so it's uh, it, it has you know quite a few techniques, uh, and it also varies by region. Right. Well, speaking of regions, I wanted to share with our listeners who mine you you give a beautiful. Um, autobiography in the beginning of the book and and without giving away the whole book i wanted to share with them some of your background of growing up and how food has always been so important to you you you, know, you traveled around a bit before you finally settled um where, where did you grow up yes so if you're looking at italy and again northeast friuli venezia julia the region uh and you go uh, now it borders on the north with austria and then slovenia uh, to the east, uh, but there's uh, if you go into the east kind of borderline, uh, there's a little peninsula called Istria, and it's now part of Croatia. And I was born there, and that was all Italy. But Italy lost uh, the war, World War Two, and uh, the Paris Treaty actually gave that part of Italy to the newly formed uh, communist Yugoslavia. Uh, we were ethnic Italians, but I was just born at the time. It was 1947. Uh, we got caught in in this communist regime, and it was difficult because we couldn't speak Italian, we couldn't go to church, uh, uh, and uh, uh, you know, as I grew up a little bit, uh, and I have a brother a little bit older, my parents decided, you know, we need to get out of here. And but they wouldn't let the whole family; they wouldn't let you migrate or leave. Uh, so my mother, my brother, and I went as tourists because on the other side of the border, Trieste, we had relatives. You know, it was such close proximity of everything. Mm-hmm. And we went to visit. And then uh, two weeks later, my, my father literally escaped the border and because he 
was not given a visa and joined us in Trieste. Uh, there we we stayed for for two years. Uh, we tried to, uh, I guess, my parents tried to make it at home, but no jobs, difficult. We were for two years in a, a, a refugee camp, political refugee camp in Trieste, San Saba. It is now a museum. And then in 1958, Dwight Eisenhower opened uh, for families that were fleeing uh, communism, uh, opened the, the visa capability. So we came here in 1958 as immigrants, and that's when our life began. Oh. But when even the time, your time in um, in Istria, food was, was played a very major role in your life right absolutely so so that period was was uh, 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 wasn't a period of plenty but uh, my mother was a teacher and my father was a mechanic and we lived in Pula city but uh, my mother put my brother and myself more in the country to about two kilometers away a small town where grandma lives mm-hmm. lived my maternal grandmother and there she produced all the food that we would need and so there was this glorious courtyard where the relatives lived uh, we had the animal pens we had uh, pigs two pigs two uh, every year goats chickens ducks rabbits uh, and then of course the whole garden element you know seasonal we made olive oil grandpa made wine and as a young uh, uh, growing up uh, from childhood into 10 years old I was like the little runner, the little helper, but I would get involved in everything. And Grandma would have me knead the dough and go fetch the warm eggs and uh, uh, bring the water when they were slaughtered time for the pig to shave the pig, wash the whatever it was. So I was very much part of that. And those flavors um, that I experienced, you know, you get the... Uh, you dunk your bread in the fresh olive oil just running they had a stone kind of uh, crusher mill Um, those are I think still my reference uh, flavors when I cook food memory we talk we a lot in culinary history we refer to food memories and and certainly some of those first memories of, of flavors that you know, they they're set in stone in your brain and your and your palate. And, you know, that's that's your uh, but they're, they're, barometer. Yeah, but they're 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 emotional. They're mm, yeah. they're real flavors. Right. They are uh, they're part of who you are, and uh, you know. And I think that's why it's so important for today to cook in in one one's house. You know, it doesn't have to be a complex, but just the smells, the odors, uh, the children children grow up, and those odors. You know, I mean, if you grow Brus- if you cook Brussels sprouts or broccoli when your child is two the odor of broccoli whatever is not so strange when he's 10 and you put it in front of him and he doesn't want to eat it right that's right get him used to it early (laughs) well you were talking about corn being a new world product and, and the italians adapted it to their cuisine as well as they did tomatoes, another new world product. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and and we were talking about how Italy is really a very open culture, an open society, a very adaptive um, culture. And you were you had mentioned about how the the cuisines of of different regions have been adopted by Italy. Well, you know, as I traveled uh, uh, ever more, you know, I went back once. I I, I understood that this was my passion. That I I, I became a conduit 
willingly and passionately from my native culture to my adoptive culture, from the Italian to the American, uh, that I needed to really understand Italy much better. And so I travel continuously. I still do in research. And uh, yes, when, you know, the region that I come from, uh, very kind of Germanic, Slavic influence, I cook with sauerkraut. I make spetzels. I make strudel because that area was also under the Austrian-Hungarian part. You go to the Piemonte, Piemonte, Piemontese, very French. They speak French dialect. Mm-hmm. The creaminess, the cheeses, moldy cheeses, the great wines. You go down to Sicily. You can see the Moorish, the Spanish influence in that cuisine. Pine nuts, uh, uh, raisins, uh, that kind of agrodolce, sweet and sour. And so it is, you, you know, you could trace the cuisine and the flavors through the different occupations. And the Italians, I guess when they tasted a good thing, they kept it. <laughs> Being no fools, right? <laughs> they knew. They knew. Well, yeah, you say you're, you were a conduit, and thankfully you do it very well, and you've done it very well for the American people through your, your shows. And also, I mean, now you have a product line as well. Um, <laughs> Yes, and, and and a production company, and and Italy, um, which now has blossomed with other Italy's around around this world, this country. Um, but you really, you have pretty much managed to touch all all aspects of the food world, and how you know, and how we can yeah. be more in touch with it. And, and that's terrific. Well, Linda, you know, it's 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 a this country gave me so many opportunities and it continues to to as a professional as a chef I began with restaurants and then and then you you realize another opportunity comes you know uh, Jay Jacobs was was a a food writer and uh, he he would come to Felidia and he says Lydia you got to put this recipes down I said well I'm not a writer so let's do it together so collaboration with him initiated my first book uh, Julia Child James Beard they would all come to Felidia uh, when I was in the actual in the kitchen, and and she invited me to be on her show, the Master Chef series. I did two episodes. I was offered uh, uh, to to be uh, to have my own show. Says you know, producer says you know, you're pretty good, Lydia. And so so it is um, the the opportunity that come uh, food brings so many opportunities. Taking the right ones, being prepared for it. Uh, uh, you know, I, I do it with a passion. I love to communicate, and 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 then you know that you know there's an X amount of people that can come to your restaurant. There's a whole other world out there. Uh, the, the, that's where the, the 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 products came, the pasta, the sauces. So that you know, I extend Lydia's flavors into, and also I must add to this that the the, my, the entrance of my children, both of my children, right. Joseph and Tanya, into the business always opened another door, what they wanted to do or what they felt they could do. And I collab- we collaborated and we did as much as we thought we should do. Right. Very accomplished people in their own right and fortunate to have a mother who was a great teacher, too. Um, you... Um, we were talking about the you know the phenomenon of the you know the Italian the the image of the Italian mother in the in the kitchen and that being what people think of when they think of Italian cuisine and I was thinking about well you I mean you have such a, a gracious presence when you're on television um, and from the beginning it's not like one sees the the growth and, and changing but you had a warmth and I was thinking about what 
makes what made the show so popular? What made you so so beloved? And I think you know it's that that warmth, but the approachability that I think people really feel that they've learned from you and that they could envision themselves standing in the kitchen cooking with you and learning from you. And I, that that I think is is tremendous. Uh, thank you, Linda. And I, I think, yes, that's part of it. But, you know, I am very conscious that if somebody dedicates or gives me half an hour of the time or buy my, buys my book, I owe them. I owe to give something back to them. They need to, to get benefit from it, and I'm very conscious about it. So when I tape a show, it's not about what I know and showing how much I know, but it's, I always think, okay, how can they do it at home? How can I make it easier for them? How can I make them comfortable with this that I'm doing as I am mm-hmm. so that they can make it? And I think, you know, I get a lot of emails and it says, you know, Lydia, you empower me. You make me feel like I can do it. And I think that's a big part. Oh. And I must say that maybe that is a bit of mentoring from Julia because mm-hmm. Julia and her shows was about the same. She was about the viewer, the audience. That's right. Understanding what she was doing and giving to them. Not showing, she, she yes, she would say, "Look what I learned. You can do the same." Right. And uh, I think that that was a big uh, um, kind of influence or what. But uh, I think going back, um, it's my my life experience. You know, as you just heard, my life um, when we were in camp in Trieste. You know, we, I was in line with my little plate at twelve years old for food. So I really appreciate food from all aspects, from growing it, the hardship, the hard work it takes to grow, make to grow it, to make it delicious, to make it, to cooking it, to saving it. Then the lack of food and uh, waiting for somebody to, 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 to feed you. And I think that all all kind of is, is part of what I communicate. There's a real understanding of food and appreciation and respect, respect hmm. for food. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. The lack of food it often drives people to, to go into either food writing or the world of food. It's it's very interesting. It's, it's yeah, because, you know, that's exactly. that's the base what keeps us alive. It's the basis of all of us, the common denominator. That's right. We all need food to stay alive. Well, you have made this cuisine, which is a wonderful, near and dear to my heart, and you've made this wonderful cuisine, very approachable for everyone in the kitchen with your new book. Um, and, again, we didn't talk so much about the, the beginning of it, um, where you have, it's almost like an encyclopedia, encyclopedia of products. And, yeah. and the end of it is like a, a dictionary because you've got the whole vocabulary, Italian vocabulary. You could learn Italian just by reading the, end, the back of the book. So it, it's really, it's, it's bookended by this encyclopedia in the front describing every product you could ever touch in the kitchen, practically, uh, that is in Italian cooking. And then the, the vocabulary in the back. Yes, I, you know, I think it's a readable book, a book that you can take. Uh, you know, the other day I had somebody come in, in for Lydia. Oh, Lydia, I love your books. You know, I take them to bed all the time. And I said, <laughs> how about the kitchen? Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Right? But, but, but maybe this is the kind of book that you could take, you know, to bed and just kind of read a little bit of the stories of of my life and whatever. Right. And then the next day, you have it in the kitchen. Yeah, there is, there is a lot to read and digest, um, but yet not burdensome. And as I say, there's, you get, there's a lot of takeaway value. Um, 
And uh, and I just lost my train of thought because there was so much good stuff. <laughs> you don't want to know, Linda. Go anywhere. Go anywhere. Um, well, it's uh, it's called Lydia's Mastering the Art of Italian Cuisine, and she does it very well. Lydia, thank you so much for sharing all of this and sharing your time with me and, and all of your your wonderful information with our listeners because I know that just as in your shows they learn a lot, they've learned a lot today already and this book will teach them even more and I, oh I know what I wanted to mention when I lost my train of thought um, because I didn't go down the whole list of restaurants you have so many wonderful restaurants in New York City and Kansas and Pittsburgh and right. and now you're branching out in other countries as well right? uh, well yes, the Italy part is we're going to Toronto we just opened in Sao Paulo but you know we we have Felidia, Becco, Esca, Del Posto, Lydia's Kansas City, Lydia's Pittsburgh. But if if they go to lydiasitaly.com, then they can get all that information and plus recipes and ask questions. Yeah, terrific. All right. We will definitely put that on our show page site so people will get that information. And fortunate to be here in New York City where we get to visit those places often. And again, thank you. And be sure to check out Lydia's new book and Lydia's, lydiasitaly.com. Lydia's Italy dot com and um, watch her on PBS. PBS has been your carrier for a long well, time. I, uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's where I started and that's where I want to stay. Yeah, terrific. Well, thank you again for joining us and thank you for listening to A Taste of the Past. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the itunes store by searching heritage radio network you can like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at heritage underscore radio you can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org heritage radio network is a 501c3 nonprofit. to donate and become a member visit our website today thanks for listening